This episode was brought to you by Michael Crate and James Husband. If you like what we're serving here at the Sci-Fi Diner, feel free to leave us a tip at patreon.com backslash sci-fi. And by Audible. Get a free audiobook when you sign up today. Audibletrial.com slash sci-fi diner. Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Good evening. I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And M has some real-world work that uh, she had to do tonight, so she is not with us, but her fingerprints are all over the show, Miles, right? Absolutely. She definitely uh, contributed. Yeah, so you, the stuff we're talking about is stuff that she said, hey, we should talk about this, and we are talking about that. So it's good to be back here in the diner. We are just two weeks two weeks, three weeks out from Farpoint, two and a half weeks out from Farpoint, I guess. And so we're excited about that. If you're going to Farpoint, please let us know. Uh, we will definitely be there uh, all three days, although we may not all be there at the same time because of work schedules, and that's just the way it goes sometimes. But we are excited about what we are doing. Most definitely. So it's going to be it's going to be a good time, good time. Um, they have a good Good guest list there too. I can't wait. You know. Yeah, yeah. Can you can you remind remind me who's who's going to be there again? We I know Timothy Zahn because I'm a huge Thrawn fan, and man, Timothy Zahn is like, oh, you know, I just want to get down and you know do the whole Ewok worship of three C three PO right now in front of him. But <laughs> well, uh, Nana visitor from uh, Star Trek D Space Nine. Oh yeah, she played yes. Kieran Reese in um, uh, Star Trek and. Uh, um, the actor who played, I'm bringing that information up at the moment, the actor, uh, Max Headroom. Oh yeah. And, he, um, and he's on Timeless. He played one of the guys in Timeless. So he played, he, yeah. And he's done tons of stuff. He played a character on, um, uh, Eureka that I really liked. Um, there is a, a actress. I uh, don't, she, she, she was, a. Supporting character on the show, um, Killjoys. Oh, Matt Frewer. Um, oh, yeah, Matt Frewer. So, That's right. So he he was also in the movie uh, The Watchmen. Okay. Uh, actress uh, Norm McKellen's going to be there. And one of your favorite authors, Timothy Zahn, is going to be there. So yeah. it's going to be a great con. Yeah, so they had like four four guests this year. And typically it's about three. So that's kind of cool. They're up in the game a little bit. So. And uh, pro- probably a lot, of, a lot of the authors that we, we know and love will be there too. Uh, the read Star Trek books and, and it's uh, new and upcoming authors will be there. So folks, if you're in the, you know, you know, mid Atlantic uh, area, if you're near Maryland, uh, this is a great convention to go to. Sounds good. Sounds good. Located in 
Is it in Hunt Valley? Is that right? Hunt Valley, yeah. Yeah, Hunt Valley. Uh, is this at the same one that Shore Leave? Is that the same place they're meeting this year? Yep, they're moving. Yeah, they're moving to the to that hotel. Yep. Yep. So there's a, so it's a short leave convention. So that's coming up in July, and we'll be uh, have more information about that as it comes down the pike. But, so yeah, well, very cool. Well, tonight on our menu, so we're going to be talking about what's in our world. Oscars came out, right, Miles? Came out. Yep. Yeah, and uh, there is a little bit of sci-fi love in the Oscars, although some sci-fi love that's missing. We're going to talk about that. And why that might be. And uh, then we're going to talk about, is Star Trek getting a discovery, mind you, getting too predictable? We will see. And we'll see if we can prove that. And is that a problem? Or is it Star Trek like we want Star Trek to be? And then we're going to end up with our sci-fi five and five by giving you the top seven. Can't count here tonight. I'm an English teacher. Forgive me, Miles. Um, top seven sci-fi films that have been snubbed by the Oscars. And then that should wrap up the that show. happens too often. It does. It does. I just remember when the final Lord of the Rings movie came out and they finally gave it props and it got like 13 nominations. And um, But they snubbed it, the first two films, and they should have been, they should have been, you know, recognized too. But anyways... Um, so Anyways. yeah, so Miles, what's going on in your sci-fi world? So I'm currently watching. Well, maybe it's more like a rewatch, but um, I'm watching Space Battleship Yamato 2199. Yeah, uh, you, you you love that show. I mean, this 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 is not the first time you've talked about it in the diner. No, it's not. But uh, <laughs> on on this uh, app called Funimation, uh, as anime shows so if you're into anime and looking for a, an app that has it uh check out funimation but uh they're they're um in putting the english dubbing in in space battleship yamato 2199 so if you, if you see it before you, you saw it with english subtitles but it was in you know japanese voices speaking now they have uh english voices speaking and uh, it, it sounds good it looks good uh so i'm, I'm watching season they, they have most of season one on there. So I'm watching that. Uh, the um, Gifted. Before you get to that, what is it about the space battleship Yamato that you, that you like? What what continues to draw you back? I think because I enjoyed it as a child, but this was, the one I'm watching now is kind of um, a retelling of it with more modern animation, but they, they, stick, they, they stick true to the story of the original show. The, sh- the ships are basically all the same, but with, you know, again, the, the newer animation, um, I think the writing's a little bit better. They have more female characters. There's only a handful of female characters in the original, but I loved it as a kid, and I watched it a couple of years ago when, when, when they did the retelling of it, uh, the reboot. I'm not sure what to call it, but um, <laughs> it's just... Uh, so a little bit of nostalgia in there, but yeah, um, there's there's a bit of nostalgia, and it's just it's just good storytelling, it's just good science fiction. All right, well, you know, I'm gonna have to give it a whirl uh, when I get the chance. So, anyways, you were talking yeah, about yeah, the yeah. gifted before I rudely interrupted you. So the gifted wrapped up at season one, and, and wow, what a cliffhanger uh, that that left things on. Probably probably right next to Star Trek Discovery, this is probably my favorite new show that's on TV right now. Oh, very cool. Um, Watching the you know, the CW superhero shows we all know and love Flash, Arrow, and um, 
Legends uh, and Supergirl um, that they were on a, on a high on, a, on hiatus, but now they're back. Uh, Agents of Shield, I'm watching also. Finished watching Travelers on on Netflix. Uh, that they they wrapped up, and I'm um, don't have any new Star Trek books to to read, so I'm just rereading a, one I read a while back. Um, it's a Star Trek uh, Next Generation novel. Uh, it's called Hearts and Minds, and written by a good friend uh, Dayton Ward. Awesome. Awesome. And uh and you're enjoying Hearts and Minds? I am, yes. Very good. Very good. Um so Travelers, that's a show I do wanna watch. I watched only the first couple episodes, never worked my way through it, but it'll happen. It will happen. So uh currently in my sci fi world, uh I just rewatched I just watched Genesis with you, Miles. Yeah, we watched that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, Terminator, and just really enjoyed watching Terminator Genesis. First time saw it, and uh, my son watched it, and he enjoyed it, and it was pretty good. I'm up with the X-Files. Actually, when I say up, I'm about an episode behind, but I'm enjoying the new season and some of the nostalgia they're bringing back, especially with the reports that Gillian Anderson will not be back for any more future seasons. So it sounds like this could be it. But, of course, she said that before. She said that back in season eight. And here okay. we are. Here we are, twenty years later, and they're still doing it. But um, so, X Files: Name of the Wind is the book that I'm reading. Reading that for the podcast, The Orbital Sword, which I'm a part of, and uh, second read of that. And I am absolutely loving this book as much a second time as the first. So I'm very happy. I'm tempted to read the second book, except there's another book, Oathbringer, that I want to read by Brandon Sanderson that just came out. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So, but very cool, very cool. And I've watched a little bit of Star Trek Discovery, and I am caught up. But uh, as I explained to Miles before the show, I've got caught up, so we could talk about it tonight. And I've only gave the prior two episodes uh, before this latest one uh, a cursory glance. Um, and this weekend, I was a Pokemon judge for a Pokemon card game competition, and that's a little bit geeky and sci-fi, so I put it in there as well. Kiefer was oh, cool. pl- Kiefer was playing in it, and uh, he did okay. He didn't do as well as he wanted to, but it was a good time. Good time was had by all. Good. So yeah. Oh, we forgot to mention when is is we were talking about Farpoint. When is Farpoint exactly? Do you, do you have those dates uh, handy? Yeah. So Farpoint is going to be uh, February 9th through the eleventh. Ninth through the eleventh, right? So uh, I will be there 7th and 9th. M will probably be there that weekend is my understanding. And maybe I'll try to confirm that before the show goes here, before we get off the show. But um, and uh, and you're going to be there maybe Saturday night and then definitely Sunday. Yes. Unfortunately, my employer doesn't realize the uh, the (laughs) The the urgency. um, Yeah. Let me have off that Saturday. And um, I wasn't able to convince him of that, that I needed that Saturday off and. Yeah. Uh, just not going to happen, unfortunately. Well, we will, uh, we will, we will, we will make do what we can, and uh, and it, it'll be a good time. And at least we'll, we'll we'll get to spend a little bit of time together, Miles. Yeah, that, that'll be good. So, all right. Well, so uh, are we ready to move into talking about Oscars a little bit? Let's talk about the Oscars. Oh, the Oscars! The Oscar nominations came out um, recently, and. Uh, as always, whenever Oscars come out, we always eagerly look forward to. Excuse me, let me repeat that. As always, we eagerly look forward to any science fiction that is on here. Um, 
And so what I want to do, Miles, is is let's just run down through the list and um, and and just talk about this list. So probably the biggest thing is there's a there was a fantasy one that actually led the shape of water and uh, it has got that was Guillermo de Toro's shape of water is the one and that's a fantasy and I guess that kind of gets in their sci-fi although we don't necessarily call it sci-fi and I didn't watch it so I don't know how sci-fi is or fantasy like it is um so let's just run down through the categories and if there's anything science fiction or fantasy we'll talk about it so as I look through through best picture there's nothing in best picture that stands out is there a movie that you think that was sci-fi this year that should be in the running for best picture uh, let's see for last year. I don't see a sorry about that. Um, maybe Wonder Woman. Pop, yeah, I thought Wonder Woman, like, I don't know about best picture. Uh, it was de- definitely, it definitely should have been given something, I would think. Maybe best, maybe best female actress. I thought, uh, Gal Gadot. Did a fantastic job playing yeah. Wonder Woman. Yeah. So nothing um, with yeah. There's and there's nothing with lead actor, nothing with lead actress. That there's anything regarding um, regarding uh, anything sci-fi, unless you go with Shape of Water. Shape of mm-hmm. Water is in for Best Picture, also as lead lead actress there, right? Uh, best supporting actor also as Shape of Water is that and supporting actress Shape of Water, uh, director. Shape of Water. So, I mean, that's where, I mean, there's a lot. So, if it's fantasy, we got to put that in there as being part of that. Um, nothing for animated feature, animated short, uh, adapted screenplay. We get our first real nomination for maybe sci fi and geekiness. And that is Logan for best adapted screenplay. That's so, pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Uh, definitely a real dark. But probably the most artistic of the X Men movies, and uh, I can see why it got the adapted screenplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, any thoughts on that? I think whatever awards, it, it should get some awards for yeah. some. I mean, I thought, um, I mean, Hugh Jackman. This is this is probably his last time playing. Um, you know, Wolverine. Right. It, it, you know, it, and so maybe we'll see him again in the next um, X-Men movie. Maybe, maybe as, a, as a bit role, but he right. pretty much carried this movie. Yeah, there's no doubt. So, so I th- yeah, I thought you should, should get something for that. Yeah, original screenplay. Again, Shape of Water is the only one in there. Cinematography, we get a nod to Blade Runner 2046. And also Shape of Waters in there again. Um, what did you think about the cinematography of Blade Runner twenty forty six? It it definitely should earn you know earn something for that. I thought it it, it was spectacular that it was a, it was a combination of using it, it respected the original movie and it look, but with today's technology, it was really able to expand that world. But still, stay true to the original movie. It just, but just, just enhanced it more. So, yeah, right. the, 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 it, would, it definitely deserves a nomination in cinematography. Yeah, 
There are some animations and documentary categories I'm going to skip over. Uh, film editing, again, Shape of Water is in there. Sound <laughs> editing, uh, we do a Blade Runner again, 2046. Now, I didn't see Blade Runner 2046, but you did. Um, would you agree that sound editing was pretty phenomenal in that movie? This is an area I probably don't know a whole lot about. Okay. I mean, it, it. I mean, if it's bad, you would recognize it. But it, so, but at least so it played in with the movie well. I mean, it right. sound. I mean, the music ref, reflected and respected the original. So I, I, you know, I, I could, I can, you know, you know, say something about that. But right. as far as how well it was edited, but like, not, I, yeah, I, no, I, I, that, that's something a little more tactical for me. I mean, yeah. I think, I think, like, like you said, if something was bad, it would have been noticed. Um, so it must have. So whoever whoever is a sound editor, probably, yes, you know, somebody who does sound editing could probably speak better to to this. Oh yeah, definitely. By the way, it also got nominated for sound mixing, so the sound of that was pretty good. Uh, also thrown in here is a Star Wars Last Jedi. So they both it also got nominated for sound editing and for sound mixing. So that's really cool that we have some Star Wars there. Mm-hmm. A uh, production design, Blade Runner 2049. I don't know how they evaluate production design, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. The look, I mean, the look, just, you know, it's still. You said it was a consistent. still follow the motif of the original. Yeah, it was a consistent look, so. Mm-hmm. Um, original score, uh, John Williams is in for Star Wars Last Jedi. So that's really cool. Good. Yeah, so it's good to see him. I wonder if John Williams, if that, I mean, that has to, he has to have been nominated for original score before. You would think. After I, this all is probably things. not his first one. Well, it's, that's, my, that's my guess. Um, and uh, let me see, what else do we have? Shape of Water again has some. Blade Runner is in for uh, visual effects. <laughs> and let me just say this. Visual effects, we talk about... Um, Sci-fi being slighted everywhere, but this is the one category it dominates because visual effects has Blade Runner 2049, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Kong Skull Island, Star Wars Last Jedi, and War for the Planet of the Apes. And that's it. Like Those so, are the five dominations. So it wraps up and totally takes visual effects. Yeah, so if basically for production values... The, the sci-fi will get some love, but um, original, you know, talk about the acting or talk about the, the writing. Um, uh, re- nominations there, unfortunately. Yeah. So, you know, as we look at this list, the thing that seems to, as we mentioned, seems to be missing is Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think especially with this whole whole Me Too movement that's going on, the women empowerment that seems to be there. Um, and there's been there were other nods to movies made about women by women, and but Jenkins' uh, movie here in, in Gal Gadot just did not uh, just didn't have any love at all. Um, uh, you know, I mean, Wonder Woman broke the stereotypical uh, notion of a superhero sized myth. 
uh, and delivered it for females as well as males. But, you know, it was just, it was just there and, and it just didn't, just didn't happen. Um, and I mean, not, not that the Oscars looks at necessarily what, what it does, the box office, but this movie did very well at the box office. Yeah. Well, it did. And, and, and mm-hmm. you know they mentioned uh, one article I'm looking at says only the 2003 fantasy epic Lord of the Rings: Return of the King snapped the trend to win the top Oscar honor. The sci-fi movie Avatar, the biggest box office movie of all time, received Best Picture nomination but lost to The Hurt Locker. So even though it got nominated, it didn't didn't win. Um, so interesting. Yeah, I. The Oscars, I mean, you know, I mean, the Oscars needs to catch up. I mean, as far as just, I mean, Wonder Woman, I thought spoke, you know, like you talked about. I mean, you know, the the women's empowerment, the the Me Too thing. You know, Wonder Woman was was a um, was a bright spot. Not you know. I mean, it, it just was a very positive movie about, um, you know, uh, a superhero woman, and um, it resonated with people. I mean, but the, but the Oscars just didn't. Uh, those who not nominate for the Oscars just didn't seem to get that this year. Yeah, and she wasn't even she wasn't even like overly sexualized either. Like some of the superheroes you have, I'm thinking of like Halberry's Catwoman, right? Um, very overly sexualized, and you just don't have that with Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. Um, and with the with the supporting, I mean, the, the Amazons are not overly sexualized either. I mean, no. Um, we talked about this when we compared that to Justice League, and as M rightly pointed out, Justice League did sexualize the Amazons more. Um, but in in this film, it was uh, yeah, just. It, it's 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 unfortunate that uh, right. Wonder Woman did get more more love from the Oscars. So so why do you think that the reason that science fiction and fantasy has not been taken seriously by the Oscar crowd is this still this nineteen forties fifties sixties idea that science fiction is for boys, it's for the the, the nerdy people. And uh, doesn't isn't relevant. Doesn't speak to society issues. I mean, what do you think? What's going on here? I, I think science fiction is still kind of the redheaded stepchild of entertainment. I mean, uh, that, that that's how they it view bring, it. Not how, it, I mean, it, you it, and I. Well, I know, and it brings in it brings in some of the biggest money to entertainment. But nope, nope, sorry. We obviously, as a society. We spend money on stuff that is immature and uh, obviously is not worth seeing. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think it gets the respect um, that deserves. Um, I know. So that, that I, I think that, that that's what that, I think that's that's pro- that that has more re- more than, it, than anything to do with it. Um, I mean, look at who the nominations were mostly for production values. Right, and I'm glad they they. I mean, the production values were, were fantastic in these films, but there's some great writing, there's some great acting, um, and, and just just the, the story and message of some of, some of these uh, films 
Yeah, I, I just think there is a kind of um... there's a bias. There's clearly a bias, you know, away from him. And it's not to say that any of the pictures nominated for like best picture shouldn't be there, but I think that there is a uh, that that somehow science fiction, fantasy, even the superhero movies, the storytelling and the way they tell the story and how relevant the message they send. I don't know. There has to be something there. So. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it's respected as the you know. It, it's not real art. It's 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 just that, um, like you like talked about the this nineteen forties. It is real uh, art. It's just not considered real art by the. It's not. Res- the, yeah, it's not recognized no. as real art. So and uh, so by the people who judge Oscars, I guess. But that's all right. We will still go and watch it anyways. We'll uh, still we'll still spend our money to go go see these great films. Absolutely. <laughs> talk uh, a little bit more about the Oscars later on and when we talk about the top seven films that were snubbed by the Oscars and shouldn't have been snubbed by the Oscars in our Sci-Fi 5 and 5. Before we get there, though, we want to talk a little bit about Star Trek Discovery. We know that many of you out there are watching it and are loving this show. And back on the air, we just got the, the, the third episode in the second half of the season uh, drop this past Sunday. And uh, do we want to talk about what's been happening since we got back from the break and then leap into some of the conversations that going, that's going on around it? Do you want to give us a little bit of an oversight? So just warning you up front, um, there might be some spoilers. So if you haven't watched it, you may want to wait. Yeah, so after the hiatus, uh, well, the, the Discovery spore jumps and when we find out they spore jump into the mirror universe and the crew is able to find out pretty quickly where they are. And so the captain, and the crew prepare the ship so they can blend in. I mean, they show the work on the outside to change it. Instead of USS discovery, it's ISS discovery. They, they, um, so they realize it, they they realize it pretty quickly. They're there. Yeah. And they, 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 they but, synthesize uniforms just to they, – they prepare to blend in, basically. Right. And So now this – as far as Star Trek, Star Trek has played with this idea of a mirror universe, parallel universe, uh, for a long time. Oh, yeah. The, one of the most popular episodes is mirror, in, mirror. in the original series is, is Mirror, Mirror, yeah. where some of the crew get beamed to the, to the mirror universe and – the, the mirror universe they basically swap places and so well now so have to figure out to, yeah to get back home so this mirror universe is always the same universe it's not like yeah, there's yeah. multiple parallel universes when they ever they get to the mirror universe it's always the same universe well there, there is there's an episode in next generation called parallels well where, where wharf um the, 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 the space anomaly of the week sends him to d- different universes okay. and so there, there is that one, and but other but the, than that, with, other than that, it's pretty well consistent. Pretty much, yeah. And the mirror universe basically is our heroes on the other side are the bad guys, for the most part. Right. Um, 
you don't have the Federation, you have the Terran Empire. Uh, and so it's, you know, it's it, that, that kind of theme has been explored with in the superhero genre in other sci-fi shows, basically the mirror universe. It's, it's, it's things are in reverse. It's the good guys, are the bad guys, the bad guys, are the good guys. And, um, that's how it is with, with, with Star Trek when it comes to the mirror universe. Uh, we've seen mirror universe episodes in D Space Nine. Yeah, I remember that. And, and we've seen you know a, a two-part mirror universe episode in Enterprise. And what happens in that episode plays a big part of what happens in Discovery right now. Right. Interesting. Interesting. And um, here's the other thing. Um, so, so this is. Let me back up. When we talk about the mirror universe here, since we've gotten back from the break, this these episodes have been in the mirror universe. Am I correct? Oh yeah, we, we we've been in the mirror universe for the last three episodes. It looks like probably for the rest of the season we'll be in the mirror universe. Oh, and that'll be interesting because that's the longest I think they've actually done like Star Trek's done anything just in a mirror universe. Because typically right. it's pretty episodic. You mean you're in and you're out. Exactly. The only exception is Enterprise. It was a two. It was a two part episode. Right. But yeah, we're spending a lot of time in the mirror universe in, uh, in Discovery right now. So, are you liking not liking that Miles as you look at it? I am enjoying it. I'm in. It's it's always fun to visit the mirror universe. It's it's over the top. It's ridiculous. It. It wouldn't work in real life, but that's okay. We're just having a little fun here. Um, we got to see some of our our our, our uh, favorite aliens from that we that were mentioned that were seen in in original series, but not seen so much in subsequent Star Trek series. We got to see the Andorians. We got to see Tellarites um, in in a <coughs> in an episode before. So yeah, I'm, I'm liking what they're doing so far. Right. Dave Sellers, who we mentioned on the podcast before, mentioned mentioned to me yesterday, he goes, this past Sunday's episode is the episode that convinced me I'm all in for Star Trek. Oh, so okay. So he, he just absolutely loved, loved it. So so, that, so, cool. that was, so, he, so he's all in. He loves it. But, mm-hmm. um, and it sounds like you're still enjoying the way the series is going. Oh, yeah. Does it still feel like Star Trek to you, or is this just like a new Star Trek? Or is it... What do you it, think? It feels like Trek, but also feels a little different. And so I, I view it as they're just expanding the universe. I mean, it, this episode was a little more darker. I mean, this 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 this, this, this show so far has been a little darker, a little more... It's kind of like a war drama at times uh less about exploration um this was more a lot more character driven you know following michael burnham's story and that's fine i'm you know let's expand the universe more doesn't star trek doesn't have to just be episodic um about exploration i mean you want to see those things but sometimes you have sometimes you have to see them um yeah fight fight to preserve the world that they are they're trying that they created and are trying and, and trying to hold on to yeah and, and they made allusions to 
you know, their, their past conflicts and, and war with the Klingons. And so we're kind of seeing some of that with this show. Well, very cool. So I, here's the conversation tonight then that we're going to talk, or this is kind of where you mentioned. And the big question is what miles? Well, maybe this is with the advent of social media and fans from all over can get together and, 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 and talk about the show and dissect it and, Maybe this wouldn't have happened if this show was on 20 years ago when we didn't have social media. It's hard to say, but so a lot, lot of a lot of our shows, movies, we have we theorize about some of the mysteries that are happening. So one of the biggest mysteries with the show was when we introduced the character of Ash Tyler. Um, it was suggested is he is he the Klingon Vok that that albino Klingon right. that we saw earlier on and you know the the, the, the producers are saying no he's, he's a different character the problem was same actor who played Vok in, in the pilot and in the subsequent episodes is the same actor who plays Ash Tyler so it was, it was, it was a very badly kept secret that hmm. it, this 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 um, this character uh, he he He's conveniently on that Klingon ship that Lorca gets on and then helps them escape. So, because we find out that we, we find out that they, 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 they take, you know, Vaka's he's got to give up everything. And so what they find out is these people that Laurel is associated with uh, surgically alter uh, Vak and they also the real Ash Tyler they somehow imprint his memories. And so he thinks he's Ash Tyler. He's basically like a sleeper agent, like a Manchurian candidate type type thing. Right. Um, so I guess the question is, if we know already, is it, I wasn't bothered by that too much because it was more about, okay, how, how, how are they going to reveal that he is Vok and how, how is the, how the how the character is going to react that he he's really Vok. right? Well, you but, know, so the question is: Does the fact that it's predictable is that bad? I mean, it certainly takes away the surprise. And in what are you? You're. It's like spoiler alert, spoiler alert. I mean, stuff is <coughs> maybe that the surprise is spoiled, mm-hmm. right? And so, and, and I get that, but you could say the same thing about Lorca. I mean, everyone saw Lorca. Back when, back in episode three, that you know that, oh yeah, he's from the mirror universe. I mean, there were hints all over the place. Yeah, I mean that's just, the second big thing. I mean, it was it was it was theorized earlier is 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 Lorca for the mirror universe because he doesn't act like a Starfleet captain. He does. It's just um, the way he kills people. The way he he's gazing out the window one point and and he's and he's there's a reflection of him. You know, is he looking at that? Um, the fact that he killed everyone aboard the USS Buran except himself. Um, there's just there's just so many things that seem to indicate it, and then we find out, of course, in the Mirror Universe that this is he is Mirror Universe. But yeah, so that wasn't that, obviously a very biggest kept secret. But yeah, so I, I guess, and I think it's a legitimate question. I mean, the way they're writing Star Trek now, they're trying to create these little mystery boxes, but are they making it too easy? I mean. It seems like I mean the the fans are pretty pretty much can 
figure out right away if you know who, what what's going on. And I, I still want some mystery. I'd be like to you know to, to be surprised a little bit. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that it's a, it's a legitimate complaint. It's it's gotten a little. It's, so, some of these these mystery boxes are not so mysterious after all. Well, and, and this is a bit problematic, I mean, especially with Star Trek, right? Um, you have some of the most intelligent people on the planet watching Star Trek, right? Because, I mean, people that watch, I mean, Star Trek has inspired generations of scientists, of mathematicians. These people are smart people. And so um, with when we have storytelling like this, it's no, it's no surprise that... Uh, let me back up and say, this is the first time, too, that Star Trek has done a story arc, like grand sweeping story arcs like this. Like, typically, I mean, the next generation, there's a loose story. And, like, Voyager, their, their aspiration was to get back to uh, back home, right? But that was kind of a loose story holding it together. And it wasn't so much story driven from episode to episode, although it had a loose arc. This is very much a concentrated story that they're following, you know, from beginning to end. And so people are making these predictions. Um, and, 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 and someone's bound to get it right. I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah. And, um, and go ahead. And, and there's so much. I mean, Star Trek is such a huge body of work that. You know, okay, where okay, Lorca is not acting like a Starfleet captain. What, what's going on here? Is he the mirror? Is this the mirror universe version? I mean, version of it. So it's there's information out there that we could we can kind of um, because we've seen people act in the mirror universe before. Yeah, we know we know how they act. And and with the whole Vok uh, Tyler thing, we've heard it before where where Klingons have used um, they they've since spy they made him look human and, and sent him out as spies before so some so some of these things have been done basically well so so this so there's a two-side question here for me um on one hand doing these things make it feel like star trek because these things have been done in star trek before um but the other the other side of me says are the are there no fresh ideas out there for Star Trek? Do we have to, in order to make this an interesting story, do we have to go back to the mirror universe, which has been done before? Um, do we have to put in sleeper agents? I mean, I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. You would think that there's the, the universe is vast and great, and there's so much it could do in the Star Trek universe. Why choose this? Yeah, there's also, I guess, if you're going to make, if you're going to have a mystery and that you as a fan can kind of pick up, then what I think what you got to do then is you got to do something to make the payoff really big. Uh, basically, it's not so much that you've discovered what's going on is, is the other characters how how they react when they find out what's going on. Right. Um, there were some good things with the whole Vok Tyler thing. It's just small, you know, 
small things would set him off, and then he sees he, he or he he interacts with his mirror universe counterpart, but his mirror universe counterpart is 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 a Klingon without without the surgery. Um, and so, or and just how how Michael Burnham deals with 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 Tyler finding find out who he really is, what 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 he does with that, and then what you know what what she does with that too. It so I I I'm, I'm sure this has been explored in literature before where they kind of tell you what the mission they solve the mystery, but the other people in in the story have to figure it out. Does that make sense? Right, right. No, I, no, I, I got, I got what you're saying there. Mm-hmm. I guess the question is: Does the fact that it's somewhat predictable, which I think we can argue, is de- there's definitely predictability to the Star Trek that we're watching. Does that take for you, Miles, the enjoyment of watching out of the show? I mean, no, you, I'm still, I'm still, still enjoying, I, I'm still enjoying the show. Right, right. Um, and raises other interesting questions. Okay, when they get, assuming, I think it's safe to assume Discovery will eventually get back to their own universe. Yeah, you would assume so. So what's going to happen? What's going to happen to Ash Tyler? What's going to happen to um, Lorca? I mean, is I, I can't see him still commanding the Discovery. Who's going to be the who? Who's going to take over as the captain of Discovery? Um, Michael, after that, Mike, Michael. Let's put Michael in charge. Well, that 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 that's one possibility. Yeah, no, I know, I know it is. Mm-hmm. Um, have we seen anything of Section Thirty One yet? No, they have not mentioned Section Thirty One, and, and I'm just thinking somehow they have to get involved. Well, they do because or, I mean, just look at the NNCC number on the USS Discovery, right? Mm-hmm. That number indicates it. So, but um, you would think they would have to get involved somewhere. But we haven't seen them yet. Um, did, did we get any information? I forget because it's been a little bit. But is the real Lorca still alive? No, we oh. never heard. We never heard about. They just revealed this past episode that the, the Lorca we, we've been getting to know is the Mirror Universe Lorca. So right. we don't know what happened to the Prime Universe Lorca. I should say. Yeah. Yeah, well, we we knew the Mirror Universe was coming. There was no doubt of that. Frakes, the, uh, Jonathan Frakes, just you know spoiled that back in October for us, so we knew that that was happening. That was no, um, I'm sure he got some heck for that. Uh, oh yeah, no, no doubt. Because you just you, you aren't supposed to uh, do that. Um, so the fact that we're picking up on all these hints. Um, you know, we're obviously we're trying to figure out where they're going with the episodes. I remember sitting down with the X Files and like figuring out, trying to figure out where they were going, and it, and it was a bit more unpredictable than I think Discovery is. Um, I think part of what part of what also is going on here is they're trying to really be like Walking Dead, being like Game of Thrones, where the characters you meet are not, you know, they're not they're they're expendable. And so Lorca and uh, the, some of these other characters, they, they want us to get the idea that, hey, we can kill off any character we want. There is that, too. I mean, they, they killed off... I mean, let's, they killed off the captain of the, um, the Shinzu. 
we thought that she might have a more prominent role while she, while she is as the mirror universe. Right, uh, and the mirror universe is back. Mm-hmm. Um, they they killed uh, the chief of security on the discovery. Um, by the way, she she always uh, Rekha Sharma. Uh, she always does these. She she always has to die a horrible death, whatever show <laughs> she's on. Um, we saw her mirror universe counterpart. Um, in um, in the trailer for the next episode, so we know she's back. We yeah, but yeah, that's the thing is that this show's trying to be like like you mentioned those other shows where it's don't get to, don't get too attached to these characters. Um, I mean they, they killed they killed the chef's doctor uh, two episodes ago. So yeah, yeah, that, that's. Um, Basically, just don't get too attached to these characters. Um, maybe with the exception of Michael Burnham, but um, yeah, anybody else um, could get killed anytime. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. Interesting, you know. I'm, I was one of the things I did as I was reading for the show is there's this there's this blog post um, written in October of twenty October twenty five twenty seventeen by Jonathan Lane to just give him some credit called "Is Star Trek Discovery Getting Too Predictable?" and Almost everything that he predicted has come true in the mirror universe. So, oh. you know, he, uh, you know, he talks about Lorca and gives you all the hints that Lorca is there. He, um, he predicted um, Giorgio's death, um, uh, Landry's demise, um, Lieutenant Tyler's choose me moment in the Klingon brig leading to the escape attempt. Um. Uh, and there's others. Um, let me see here. Uh, so, but that, but but he just had a lot of the stuff that's come true in the show. He's kind of said this is this is what's going to happen, and you know, one of the things is a lot of the fan theories seem to be coming true, and I think that's oh, where, yeah. that's where people are kind of. So that's why they're saying, is it too predictable? But the other, the flip side of this is we kind of hinted is, so what? Do we care that it's predictable? If it's entertaining Star Trek and it's still engaging us and still wrapping people in, then yeah. You know, let it be predictable. Is predictability again, bad? If they, could do it, if they could do it in a way where it's... <clears throat> You know, it's more about the characters reacting to this whole mystery. I'm fine with that. That's you know, that's kind of cool. I'm just seeing how they, how how, the, how you know how they deal with um, with, um, with 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 with, with, with uh, what's going on. I mean, pr- probably when we see Game of Thrones next next year, um, probably we won't. Probably the rest of the, most of the characters won't find out that um, Jon Snow is is a Targaryen until later. Right. Um, but when they do, it's going to be something. Yeah. So part of it is even though we might see it as predictable as seeing how the characters react to it. So, yeah. yeah, there's that. Well, anything else we want to say about Star Trek Discovery, Discovery before we move on? Uh, three more episodes in this uh, in season one. So we have three more episodes to look forward to. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that we debated for a while earlier on was, is it worth 
for you paying the all-access fee to go watch Star Trek Discovery. What do you think? I don't mind paying for it. I mean, I'll pro- probably when the show ends, I'll probably cancel my subscription and then renew it when it comes back. But I, I don't it does bother me. I mean, this is I, I've heard arguments both sides. If me spending a little money a month will get me new Star Trek and good Star Trek, you know, I'm OK with that. Right. Very good then. All right. Well, let's move into uh, our sci-fi five in five. And uh, did you did you click the link? There's a link down there below that. Yes, I did. The first thing they have. Yeah, so we're, we're going to, let's just run through it. The first one's just a picture, but if you click, scroll lower, they actually go into it. And did you want to start, and then we'll like do every other one? And these are the top seven best sci-fi films that never won an Oscar. And some of them might surprise you, because you might have said, surely that won an Oscar, and it didn't. So do you want to take the first one, Miles? Yeah, so the first one, um, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Uh, Go ahead. I'm surprised that uh, this this didn't. Um, Stanley Kubrick is is kind of considered kind of an artistic director, and this you know that this was science fiction, but it was you know it it, it did have you know artistry to it, um, and it was it was a trailblazer when it came to you know science fiction space opera type movies and. But uh, no, no, no love for the Oscars. No love for the Oscars for that one. And uh, not only that, but his Clockwork Orange was also snubbed. And that's hailed as being a classic, a cult classic. I saw it one time and can't say I was ever really impressed by it. But uh, it is considered to be a very artistic film. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to take the next one? Uh, so next one on list, um, Star oh, Wars, yeah. um, the original, The New Hope. Um Another movie that was a trailblazer and probably seriously got things going as far as making big blockbuster science fiction um, epics on the big screen. I mean, Star Trek originally was going to go back to the small screen, but when Gene Roddenberry saw the success of Star Wars, he and the producers thought, "Let's let's go let's go do movies." So a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of movies, a lot of franchises uh, uh, owe, owe Star Wars for its contribution there, but um, um, the Oscars uh, didn't took a pass on it. Yeah, well, certainly uh, one that you would have thought would have been hailed because of uh, the music, the way it was shot, and everything would have been Blade Runner. Ridley Scott's Blade Runner in 1982 was brilliant, stark, and his portrayal of the heartless 21st century Los Angeles, and. Um, Nope, no love for that, despite of the many, many iconic scenes in that. Yep. Probably because of all the product And, uh, right. Did have, did have a lot of product uh, uh, advertising in that movie. Yeah. Um, a little bit of product advertising in this movie also. Uh, love this movie as a kid, E.T. It, um, 
a lot of you know there's a movie you could take your family to and um uh, Reese's Pieces definitely got oh, yeah. uh, um, a lot. You know, got a lot it, of love it, it out of this. Helped them movie. with. You, oh yeah, they. You know, um, so when, you know that they, they're basically showing a commercial for their candy every time the movie <laughs> was being played. Well, you know, uh, I, I, E.T. surprises me because it was such a heartwarming and heart wrenching movie. My son, we just watched E.T. about a year ago, and my son just cried through the movie. Oh wow! I, I mean, it was just a. It was just. I mean, it's. It was a powerful movie for its time, but no, 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 no love for the Oscars. Well, our next one, uh, James Cameron's uh, 2009 futuristic epic Avatar got snubbed, although it was nominated. So this one actually got into the nomination for Best Picture, but did not win it. And uh, highest well, nomination is still something. Yeah, it is something. Uh, and it is what? The highest grossing movie of all time. Is that, am I correct about that? Yeah, it still is. It beat out Titanic when it came out. Titanic was the biggest, another James Cameron movie, but nope, Avatar was it. I remember seeing people seeing Avatar two or three times. So. But, and what is our, uh, what last movie, I guess? The uh, last one we have is um, uh, District 9. I never saw this. I, I need to probably put this on my list sometime, but um, uh, District 9 was... Um, was was filmed in uh, South Africa, and I guess it was kind of a um, kind of an allegory about about slavery and and racism. It, it yeah. was and racism, and it was thought you know as far as far as as far as the storytelling, it was it was heralded for 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 what it did there. But um, yeah, the Oscars passed on that one too. Yeah, it did get nominated. Apparently, like Ava, I think this was the same year that Avatar. It got nominated, just didn't get, uh, just didn't happen. And this is one of these movies that came out of nowhere, if I recall correctly. I didn't remember a lot of hype in it, and then it got, then it kind of, and I think Peter Jackson had his hand in it somewhere, if I recall correctly. And I did see this movie, and I did enjoy it. Um, and I could see this one definitely being Oscar material, just but just obviously wasn't quite oscar enough but right yeah very cool any other movies that you think got snubbed i mean lord of the rings actually got its due eventually um but i don't think of any other as far as this past year well with we talked yeah. wonder woman but i mean just in general over the years <coughs> yeah Oh, I'm put on the spot. I can't. Um, yeah, no, it's fine. I'm sure, I'm sure there is. Yeah. There, there is. We think of it. And actually, listeners, if you're listening, let us know. Not if you're listening. We're assuming that you are listening. But let us know what your thoughts are. There are movies that sci-fi has given us that have been snubbed by the Oscars. We would love to hear from you. And you can just send us an email at sci-fi podcast at gmail.com. Or you can message us on Facebook and uh, and we'll, we'll we'll go there as well. So. Well, is there anything else that we should be talking about here tonight, Miles? Um, no, I think I think we covered it. Yeah, very good. I think we had a great discussion on Star Trek. That was a good discussion about it. So. Mm -hmm. uh, we're missing M tonight, but we'll bring M back in the next show. I don't know if we'll do another show before Farpoint, because I think when we record, it'll be right before Farpoint anyways. But we can yeah. talk a little bit more offline. And if not, let us know if you're going to be at Farpoint. And by all means, let us know what you're watching and what you're thinking about Star Trek Discovery. Is it too predictable? We want to hear from you. I believe that's about it. 
all right till next time good night and good we will see you.